All right, in our last session, uh, we began to look at uh, problems that can arise when we have unmet expectations, and we talked about the pitfalls of, of those expectations and how they can become stumbling blocks for us if we aren't careful to recognize the signs of discontentment in our lives. And then we started to look at ways that we can combat discontentment in our lives. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to continue to look at how to overcome it, because I don't think we're fixed yet. At least I'm not. <laughs> um, I think this is the beginning. And basically what all we're doing is, um, all I'm taking is just a, um, is basically biblical counseling. We're learning how to counsel ourselves from the scriptures on how to deal with different things that crop up in our lives. And you can apply all of the same kinds of stuff to any area of sin in your life. It's not just discontentment. So don't think this is the only thing you can do from today. Um, but uh, we want to figure out how we can uh, look at this, these areas in our lives and how to overcome them. Because every single day offers us a chance to put this information into practice. Lisa does for me, my every day. And of course, every time I speak on overcoming unmet expectations, then the week or two or three beforehand, I, I, am, I struggle with unmet expectations the whole time. And I know that the Lord is just making me put it into practice again of uh, just, are you living what you've got written down there? Are you applying what you said? And uh, so for me, it's, it's, I'm really, I look forward to coming to be with you, but at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, what is going to happen? <laughs> um, because I know that it's going to be a week of, of just looking at my heart, which is so, you know, it's just not very fun sometimes looking inside there. And, and uh, so, you know, we all have these unmet expectations and maybe I am hoping that maybe you have identified at least one um, uh, unmet expectations where you know some of you maybe have got them maybe all of us have identified those but um, where they are showing up because we're just not satisfied with something um, whether it's the circumstances in our lives our you know, growth something um, because it can show up in big ways or just little ways but it's still it's sin Discontentment is sin, where there's something that we're saying, I don't like this, just like a little two-year-old. No, I don't want it. And you know that's what oftentimes our response is in these situations. And when we struggle with unmet expectations, no matter what they are, um, we can be assured that we have some underlying thoughts that are not entirely biblical. We know that. If we are struggling, if there's some kind of fruit showing up in your life, you know that there's something that you're thinking in your heart that isn't biblical. It's true for me. It's true for everybody. And um, the thoughts might be just off a little bit. They might just be, you know, here's biblical truth or whatever, and it might be off just a little bit, or it might be off a lot. But whether it's off a little bit or a lot, is still going to start producing the longer we're off then of course the more we veer off and it produces that fruit of discontentment in our lives so it's extremely important that uh, we understand this that whenever we struggle with our expectations not being met in the way that we think that they should and we see that sinful fruit crop up in our lives that uh, we understand that we've got some wrong thinking going on to some degree 
in our hearts and in our lives. Um, and, you know, possibly it's thinking about our circumstances or about the Lord. D.A. Carson, um, who's a great commentary writer, he said, One of the major causes of devastating grief and confusion among Christians is that our expectations are false. He goes on to talk about that if we don't think rightly about our circumstances and about the God who allows them, then he says, the pain from the personal tragedy may be multiplied many times over as we begin to question the very foundations of our faith. And so we see that, you know, it can, if we're not careful, if we don't pay attention to what we're thinking, it can have drastic consequences in our lives and even in how we respond to the Lord. And, you know, we know we aren't thinking biblically if we say things like, I don't deserve this. Or, God doesn't care what happens to me. Or, this is my personal favorite, that's the last straw. As if there can be a last straw. <laughs> um, we aren't thinking biblically if we think, I can't be expected to put up with this anymore. God doesn't know what's best. I know what's best. God doesn't love me because if he did, he would... And, you know, I'm sure there is so many more kinds of ways that those things crop up. It has been said that every sin that we commit can be traced back to a wrong view of God. And if that's the case, and it is, then what we need to do if we're ever going to overcome our unmet expectations and uh, discontentment in our lives is to build a foundation of right thinking. So that's what we started to do last session, and we're going to continue to do in this session because it's going to be that foundation of right thinking that we can fall back on when we come face to face with our unmet expectations in our lives. So what I tried to do in this, uh, the first part of this session is distill down to just the basics, the very essence of what um, are the non-negotiable foundational beliefs that every believer must have, that we have to have in our heads and in our hearts if we're going to um, overcome our unmet expectations and not drift into sin. And so the first one, what are those? Uh, the first foundational belief, this non-negotiable, the one that we have to have is I'm a sinner and don't receive what I deserve. And you might be thinking, what? How can, you know, what do you mean I'm not receiving what I deserve? What are you talking about? Well, you know, first of us, all of us are sinners, every single one of us. Um, you're not perfect. <laughs> I know that, you know, sometimes we think that we might be, but we're not. Um, every one of us have sinned at least once in our lives. <laughs> once. That's right. Just once. And it was, uh, you know, yesterday. Uh, but what does that sin earn for us? Even if it's just one sin, that one sin has earned what for us? For according to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when, even if we've only sinned once, just once, you know, not even all the other times, then we, have, we deserve death. That's what we've earned. And every person, um, you know, it, 
it would be nice to just think like the, uh, so many times what we hear now in the world and just even from uh, the pulpits is that, well, death isn't that big of a deal. You just close your eyes and that's it. And um, I mean, many pastors and uh, people believe that if we, even if you've just sinned and we, uh, the, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but you know, if you sinned, and uh, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're still going to wake up in heaven, still going to be fine. Um, you know, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that death is in hell, uh, where we will be forever separated from Christ. If we don't know him, then um, death is a place of eternal torment and pain. It's a place of fiery judgment and destruction and darkness where the fire is never quenched. Jonathan Edwards, uh, speaking on the torments of hell, said this, nor will they ever be able to find anything to relieve them in hell. They will never find any resting place there, any place of respite, any secret corner which will be cooler than the rest, where they may have a, a, a little respite, a small abatement of the extremity of their torment, they will never be able to find any cooling stream or fountain in any part of that world of torment. No, nor so much as a drop of water to cool their tongues. They will find no company to give them any comfort or to do them any of the least good. They will find no place where they can remain and rest and take breath for one minute. For they will be tormented with fire and brimstone and will have no rest day nor night forever and ever. Our one sin, just our one sin, this is what we deserve. And yet for some reason, <laughs> amazingly, God has offered to us eternal life through Jesus Christ. That that death, death doesn't wait for us who place our faith in Christ. You know, our God is holy. He is so holy that one sin has to be atoned for by a death of a perfect human. The blood of boats, uh, bulls and goats can't atone for that, can't take away that sin. And we can't approach God unless we have... Um, unless we ourselves are perfect or holy. Well, we're not, because we know that all of us have sinned at least once, and we deserve death, and we have a problem. We can't have a relationship with the Lord unless we come to him through Jesus Christ. And that's why he sent Christ, because of his infinite mercy upon us, because we, we would all be experiencing death in hell without without ever any hope of rescue without any hope of relief no change and yet even in um, even for all of us even if you don't know the lord for those of us who do we've been we have a difference and yet even for those um, here today you may not know the lord and yet, even in that, you are not experiencing death. God is being merciful to you. Every single one of us, we, if we've sinned once, we deserve the death that I read you, that separation from the Lord, that uh, we, we should have that happen to us instantly as soon as we sin. And yet, we don't. We don't experience that. That the Lord allows us to get up in the morning, 
He allows us to breathe. He allows us to experience the goodness of a beautiful day. He allows us to experience the joys of relationships. The Lord is merciful to us and he is patient even in when we deserve death. Um, unbelievers experience God's kindness. Uh, as the Lord says um, in Acts 4, 14, 16 through 17, in the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, and yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. The Lord gives good gifts even to those who don't know him, who don't love him, who don't want to know him. He is good. And yet, he has extended to us uh, an even greater mercy, and that is through Christ. Um, Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You sin once, you're dead in your trespasses and sins, and you deserve the death of eternal torment. And you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, every single one of us, formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we hated him, even when we were his enemies, he made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And what else did he do? He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And, you know, we just see from Ephesians 2 that, you know, we, every single one of us, before we came to know and love the Lord, we hated him. And yet God reached into our lives and began to draw our hearts to him. It wasn't that we figured it out and chose God. He began to stir our hearts to even cause us to seek him because we hated him. We were his enemies. We were dead. And dead people can't seek the Lord. And yet he began to draw us. He began to quicken us and make us alive in Christ because he is rich in mercy and he loves us with a great love. And he has added to us uh, blessings of heaven, of knowing him. And it has been said that for an unbeliever, all the good that they will ever experience is here on earth. While for a believer... All the bad that we will ever experience is in this life. And it's uh, this mindset that helps us to balance our thinking when we think, feel that we're experiencing things that we don't deserve, when we think we deserve better. Because when we deserve death and yet we're still walking around, we're, we're, it's already icing on the cake. We, we are, we're all here. We're breathing. We're living. God has shown mercy to us. And so if we are experiencing a few little bumps along the road, a few little if-onlys, it's still better than what we deserve. 
So that's the first stage of our non-negotiable thinking, the foundation that we have to have that, you know, we, we need to think rightly about our circumstances. God has been merciful to me far more than I even realize. And um, in fact, that's so important that we also need to remember that my trials are fewer than my sins. Uh, that, that phrase was coined by a, a Puritan uh, pastor in, uh, in the book, The Valley of Vision. I'm not sure some of you might know that devotional book. It's a book of Puritan prayers called The Valley of Vision. But it summarizes the right thinking that we need to have about our lives. My trials are fewer than my sins. Now, you, you start, if you, even if you just started listing all the trials that you're experiencing right now, you, you, would, you probably wouldn't get to 100. I mean, when you think about even your circumstances and the trials that you're experiencing, some of you have a lot of things happening in your lives, but really, you might not get to 100. Now try and start adding up how many times you've sinned against the Lord. Our trials are fewer than our sins. They're fewer than our sins, and our sins deserve death, and yet we're not experiencing death. God is being, he is being merciful to us. Psalm 103.10 says that the Lord has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He hasn't dealt with us according to our sins, which would mean death for just the one sin, um, and yet he, you know, when we just consider how many times we've sinned against the Lord, uh, then we have all these mercies that he has given us. Like, you know, our friends, the, the, the sunshine, the mountains, the music, just the things that we hear, the things that we see, all of these blessings that the Lord has given us, even in the midst of our trials. Is still, we still are experiencing mercy from God. We're still experiencing his kindness toward us. No matter how black the day can be or the, our circumstances are, the Lord has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has been merciful to us. Um, you know, just think about if the Lord kept a balance sheet. So, you know, you sin, you get a trial. You sin, you get a trial. I mean, think how overwhelming that would be. <laughs> we, wouldn't, we wouldn't even be able to last the day. We would be so overwhelmed with our, our circumstances. And yet, it's not that way, is it? Our trials are fewer than our sins. Micah 7.18 says, Oh God, who is like you, who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? The Lord does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. Now, just think about what that means. I'm a sinner. I deserve death. And even after experiencing new life in Christ, I still sin constantly and offend my Savior. But he hasn't dealt with me according to the sins that I, in the way that I deserve. He hasn't rewarded me with punishment Instead, he pardons me, he helps me, he strengthens me, he gives me the Holy Spirit to help me grow in him, he gives me his word, he passes over my rebellious acts, and no matter how difficult or painful or frequent or many my trials are, they are still fewer in number than the sins that I have committed against the one who gave his life for me. So this brings uh, balance to my thoughts and my responses and, and the circumstances of my life. I'm experiencing trials, yes, but it's still less 
than what I deserve, um, is still far less than what I deserve from the Lord. And why is it far less? Uh, that's the next one, our next foundational thought. If I'm experiencing unmet expectations, it is because God has deemed it good for me. And uh, when God deems something, I love that word deems. Um, it's an old-fashioned word, but it means to consider or judge. If God has considered your situation and he's judged it good, that it stays like it is. Um, you know, so if he's considered it, he's, he's judged it, and he says, nope, it's good. Just like Paul with his thorn in the flesh. God looked at that, he judged it, and he considered it good that Paul continued to have that thorn in the flesh. You know, God is all-powerful. So if he didn't want me to experience that particular thing, then he could fix it. God is all-wise. So if he didn't think uh, it was good for me to go through a certain situation, then he wouldn't allow it ever. God is all-knowing and understands how all these things are going to affect my character. And if... Uh, he didn't think that was good for me, he wouldn't allow it, and yet he has. And because he's that way and he still allows our situations in his perfect character, his perfect wisdom, then we, we can trust him, can't we? We can go through it because he's explained that it's good. Uh, turn to Lamentations chapter three. So Lamentations is right after Jeremiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, right? Pretty much almost in smack dab in the middle of the Bible. Lamentations, uh, chapter 3. Many of you are probably really familiar with uh, verse 22. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And it's such an amazing section of scripture, and it continues as you continue to read. But oftentimes people don't get past that section. And, um, but if we were to look at verse 31, this has application for us today. So what this is talking about in this section, Jeremiah is explaining um, about what to do when your life looks different, when you're going through trials and you're experiencing things that you just think, Lord, how come you don't change it? How come you don't fix it? And we, we have to stay in a situation? Then uh, this is how he, Jeremiah responds to this, and this is his biblical foundation, thought foundation. Verse 31, for the Lord will not reject forever. That's the very first thing. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. For he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. And what we see from here is um, when, when you go through a trial, you know, that's the Lord, you know, it's, if it's hard for you and you're going through a trial, you're grieved about it, there's grief there or sorrow or you're struggling, then um, we see, well, has the Lord allowed that trial in your life? Yes. Uh, so has he caused the grief? Yes. And so what do we, um, often how do we feel when we're going through a trial and it's hard on us? We feel rejected by the Lord sometimes. And so verse 31 says, 
No, ladies, remember this. The Lord will not reject forever. It may feel like he's rejecting you because he's allowing you to go through this trial, but it's not true. He's not going to reject you forever. He's taking you through this trial. Why? Because if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. He's going to have compassion on you. He is merciful to you in the midst of your trial. And verse 33, for he does not afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men. This tells us that, that uh, the Lord has judged your life and your situations, and there is no other way to produce the fruit in you that he desires except by this situation. He doesn't afflict you willingly. He doesn't want you to hurt. He doesn't want to cause you grief. But there's no other way to produce in you the spiritual fruit that he intends unless he puts you through this trial. And so he doesn't afflict willingly or grieve the sons of men, but if he has to do that for you, if he causes grief, he will have compassion. He will have um, loving kindness upon you. Because the Lord knows something that we wish he would forget about, and that is, is that trials are good for us. <laughs> trials and not having things all our own way are good for us. They produce the most spiritual growth in us. James 1, uh, 2 through 5 helps us remember that. Uh, James says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. What we see here is that trials, the testing of our faith, trials test our faith, and it produces endurance in us. It actually produces an endurance that will have a perfect result. And what is that perfect result? It's a character that is perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. It's a character that is satisfied in Jesus Christ. It's a character that goes to the Lord and says, Lord, you are my all and I love you. And, when, and in the, we have the assurance that if any of us lacks wisdom, and when do we lack wisdom? Anytime we're going through a trial, anytime we're struggling. We're, it's like, Lord, I don't even know how to get out of this. Lord, fix me. I don't know how to fix myself. Lord, I lack wisdom in this. And we are encouraged because it says, ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach. The Lord will never reproach us for asking him for wisdom when we're going through a trial. He's going to help us because he's given that trial for us for good. Another reason that trials can be found in our lives um, comes from Hebrews 12.10 where it says that God disciplines us for our good so that we would share his holiness. He wants us to look like him. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, if you ever get a chance to memorize it, uh, make sure you do, uh, because he, it just explains the purpose of trials. Trials, God uses trials in the lives of his children because it shows that we are his children. Because he tests every child. He, he puts his stamp upon us and makes us look like we belong in his family. And there is no other way to do that except through trials in our lives. And he does that because he wants us to share his holiness. He wants us to look like him. So whatever is happening in my life is God's will for me. 
and he has considered it good for me. He's judged it rightly, and he's deemed it good for my life. And finally, we know that the Lord will never disappoint me. And to you, uh, Psalm 22, 5 says, To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. And that um, verse can also be translated, In you they trusted and were not ashamed. That word disappointed can also be translated ashamed. They're not, we're not disappointed in the Lord. We're not ashamed of our hope in the Lord because he is good to his children. And he always does what is good. Psalm 119.75 says, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. So if God has afflicted you, it has only been done out of his faithfulness. He has judged it righteously. And he isn't, um, he isn't showing partiality to others and being mean to you, <laughs> which sometimes we can think. He is being perfectly righteous. He is being perfectly loving in what he's allowing in your life. Psalm 25, 8 through 10 says, good, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. The word of God and prom promises and assures us that God's intentions are good towards his children. And we might not understand his methods. We might not really like the way that he does things in our lives. Um, but we can cling to this one thing. The Lord will never disappoint me. If we, he is our satisfaction, he will never disappoint us. People can let us down. Circumstances can let us down. Our, we can let ourselves down. But the Lord will never disappoint us. And, you know, that's, you know, we can, uh, we need to remember these things when, uh, you know, we're going through things because the Lord, most likely the Lord is going to bring circumstances in your life that are different amazingly different than what you thought he was going to do and you're going to be off balance and you're going to have to tr lean on him to trust him and so we need to remember I'm not receiving what I deserve and that the Lord has um, all of the trials that I'm experiencing they're still fewer than my sins and God has looked at my circumstances he has judged them good for me and so he's allowing them and he will not disappoint me. If I make him my refuge, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love being near him because he is, he is good. I won't be ashamed of my hope in the Lord. And so, um, you know, one, one of the areas that we maybe struggle with, with expectations, we're going to take these biblical thought foundations now and we're going to apply them to some specific areas. And one of the areas that we have expectations that we struggle with is always that other people don't meet up with our expectations, um, you know, that we are let down. You know, they're not perfect. And so, you know, we get our feelings hurt or whatever. Uh, we're going to let, our, um, let each other down. We're going to let other people down. They're going to let us uh, down. And, you know, this happens frequently, sometimes it's daily um, in, our, in our lives. Um, but some things are easier for us to deal with than others. But what we need to do is come up with some strategies of being able to overcome that uh, when we're dealing with our relationships with other people. So one of the first things that we need to remember when we're dealing with people is that no one person can meet all of our needs. 
people can't read your mind uh, they don't know the deepest part of your heart and even if they did that doesn't mean they'd want to do anything about it you know you might have an expectation for something but you know even if they knew what your deep emotional needs were that doesn't mean they'd want to help you with it and so you know that's why the Lord needs to be our refuge because he's the only one who can fill the deepest part of our hearts he's the only one who knows what they are and the best way to meet those needs in our lives and so we need to be realistic about our relationships with other people uh, Jeremiah 17 5 and verse 7 says thus says the Lord cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord and blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. When we put all of our uh, trust in other people to meet our needs, we're actually, God says, curses is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. We need to make the Lord our strength and trust in him to meet our needs. Well, what does that look like practically? You know, it means that when your feelings get hurt, you take those wounds to the Lord and you put your trust in him for your hopes and joys. You know, other people can, you know, they might be able to make it better, but they might not. But the Lord can always make it better. He can always fill our hearts. And so, you know, there's always relationship kinds of things that we can talk about, but right now, what we're talking about is our relationship with the, with the Lord, what's happening in our hearts. Other people may never change, but we can by making the Lord our trust. Um, secondly, we need to recognize that um, we do have expectations for other people's behavior, and they might not be willing or want to meet up to our expectations. I mentioned that earlier. You know, just the whole, um, you know, we, we get married or we have a roommate or any kind of situation, we have expectations. So I thought you were going to take out the garbage and mow the lawn because that's what my dad did. And, uh, you know, our husband might say, sorry, I, that's not for me. I, my mom did all of that. And so that's what I thought you were going to do. And so, you know, then you have to decide, um, is this an eternal issue? What are we going to do about that if we come to a stalemate and we can't come up with a solution? Is this an eternal issue? Is it worth really being ungodly about? You know, do, do I think that the Lord could change this situation? Yes. So, you know, that means I need to change, doesn't it? The Lord can help us change in our situation. Not, you know, if it's not an eternal issue, then we need to be willing to say, Lord, this is a small thing if you're asking this of me because you have given me everything and if you're asking me to take out the garbage every day for my husband then lord i want to offer that up to you as a sacrifice that's pleasing to you help me to give you glory in this thing because it can by our response we can make it um, an eternal issue that will bear fruit in heaven just by our response even though it's just taken out the garbage paul said in first corinthians 10:31 that whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. And uh, third, we need to extend forgiveness to one another. You know, people are going to sin against us. People, they, whether they mean to or not, sometimes they just they sin against us. Um, and we just need to remember that they are sinners, um, that they, they might get exasperated, they might lose their temper, um, some of you have experienced your spouse being unfaithful to you, um, but we need to extend forgiveness 
to them because the Lord has extended forgiveness to us. Now, some of you have really gone through some really terrible things, and yet the Lord has shown forgiveness to you, and he's asking that for us, that we would extend forgiveness towards those people in our lives. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And that goes along with our fourth thing. Show grace and mercy to them in the way that you would want to be shown grace and mercy. You know, when uh, someone doesn't meet up to your expectations or they fail you in some way, I mean, just think about all the times you're failing someone else. And how do you want them to respond to you? Do you want them to be gracious towards you? Or would you like them to hold a grudge the way that you're holding a grudge towards them? Now, is that really what it is? You know, we, we want to extend grace and mercy to them. Um, be gracious. First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Let's be loving and cover over those sins. Be gracious towards one another. Because I'm a sinner, and I uh, don't receive what I deserve. My trials are fewer than my sins. Um, if I'm experiencing unmet expectations, it's because God has decided it's good for me and the Lord will never disappoint me. Uh, the next area that we have um, unmet expectations might be just dealing with ourselves. Um, you know, when, when we talked about this last session, uh, where, you know, we oftentimes think that we're going to get to a point in our lives where we're just not going to struggle anymore. <laughs> and so we, we have these expectations, but we need to tell ourselves the truth that no, we are going to continue to st struggle. Uh, we are going to continue to um, to sin. And uh, we need to tell ourselves the truth that I'm not perfect and I'm never going to be in this life. Uh, but by God's grace, I am changing. He is changing me. If you're not seeing change in your life, there's a problem. Because every believer does change and grow through the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit residing in us causes us to grow. So we need to remember that the Lord is in charge of our spiritual growth. I'm always impatient. I think I should be growing way faster than I am. And uh, so I, I struggle with that. Where it's, Lord, please fix me. Change me. This is way too slow. And, uh, you know, maybe that's something that you need to, uh, you struggle with as well. But we need to remember that God's timing is perfect in our lives. And he will get the job done. We are going to be fixed by the time we're in heaven. And so he's going to bring it along. Uh, and then finally, the, the third area that we have unmet expectations sometimes is with God. Um, when God doesn't act or respond in the way that we think that he will or the way that we think he should. Um, you know, sometimes we move into a place where we become God's judge and we move into the place of God himself. Um, Erwin Lutzer, um, just, it was a little blurb about a sermon that he said, but it says, The bitter disappointment of knowing that God could heal a child or resolve a bitter dispute, but yet that he chooses not to do so. Such experiences leave us wondering whether God actually cares. We struggle when we believe that God could do something about our situation, but he chooses not to do so. And so we begin to think that God doesn't care. But it's just not the truth. It's wrong thinking if we think that. Psalm 33, if you could turn there real quickly. Psalm 33. 
Psalm 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. And so what we see from that is that the Lord created the earth, everything on it, by his word, by his mouth. And if he can do all of that, then surely he can answer your prayer. He could fix that um, situation in your family. Um, he could heal um, your, your mother, or he could resolve that dispute or save your husband. But verse 4 says, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the loving kindness of the Lord. His work is done in faithfulness, it says. He loves righteousness and justice. So if something happens that you perceive is not just or right from the Lord, what's the issue? It's that our thoughts are wrong about the Lord. We need to adjust our thinking so that it matches what God says in his word. You know, our perceptions are sin-based. They're ego-centered, man-centered, um, about the, that we would think that, um, that he isn't doing what's right. But the scriptures tell us otherwise, that he is always just, that he is always righteous in everything that he does. And that affects our daily life that if God is righteous in everything he does that means everything that we're experiencing is because he's righteous in it he's wise he's good in what he's allowing in our lives and so that means we have to adjust our thinking isn't it where we we have to think no Lord I'm looking at this situation and I need to adjust it verse 10 talks about that in Psalm 33, the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. Have you ever had your plans frustrated or nullified by the Lord? Yeah. And so the Lord does that. And what that tells us is if he nullifies or frustrates your plans, it's because he's got a better one. And he's doing it in righteousness and justice for us. Uh, verse 11 says the Lord's plans are from long ago. Not only is he um, adjusting your way, but he planned it before the foundation of the world, before he created. His plan for you was already in place. He wisely and with righteousness and justice and love and mercy has planned your life and your way. Verse 13 tells us, the Lord sees all the sons of men. And this is such an encouragement for us when we're struggling with our lives or there are circumstances. It means that the Lord, your way isn't hidden from God. He sees all the sons of men. And he sees the situations in your life. And so if you are struggling with an area in your life, of something where it's like, Lord, please just fix it. He sees it. He sees it. And he will act in his good time in the best way possible for us. You know, we have um, expectations where maybe sometimes we think he's being too hard on us. And that's what Hebrews 12, uh, verse 5 says, uh, where we're told, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't think too lightly about what God is doing. Don't think it's nothing. But also, he says, don't faint when you are reproved by him. Sometimes we just think, Lord, it's too hard. I can't go through it. And yet, he's, he has given it to us. Because it says, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. He loves you. And so if he loves you, he's not going to give you something that's too hard, that's going to hurt you. He's going to give you exactly what's best for you. 
And so what do we need to remember? We need to remember that I'm a sinner and I have not received what I deserved. My trials are fewer than my sins. And if I'm experiencing unmet expectations, it's because God has judged it good for me. And the Lord will never disappoint me. He, he sees my situation. He knows it. And he loves me. And he is being merciful to me. Now, there may be some of you today, you may not know the Lord, but the mercy of God can be yours today if you will only turn to him right now and acknowledge that you are a sinner and you deserve to die right now. And yet, even right now, you are here and you are not experiencing his judgment. But you can experience the Lord in his love and in his kindness and in his righteousness. Um, even as an unbeliever, you are still experiencing God's blessings upon the earth. But we miss out when we don't know the Lord. We miss out on having a relationship with him as a daughter, with a loving father. And right now, your relationship with him is one of where he's a judge over you. And so turn to him right now so that you can have a relationship with him as a daughter to a son. Because if you were to die right now, you would be eternally separated from him in that place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. But God has sent his own son to die for you, that you might have eternal life and be forgiven of your sins and experience true fellowship with God. And when you turn to the Lord in faith, just right now, Lord, I want you. I need you. I want to have that relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I turn away from my life. I want to live for you. The Lord will never, never disappoint you. And for those of you who know the Lord, you need to remember that every unmet expectation is an opportunity for you to turn to the Lord in faith and cling to him. Everything. God hunts for our love, Samuel Rutherford said. He, he looks for our love. And if, he, if we're not coming to him, he's going to use circumstances to draw us to him. He wants us to be right near him because he loves us and he wants us to love him. Hebrews 12.10 says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he, the Lord, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. And all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards. I love that blessed afterwards. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. There's a great hymn that says, uh, day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly is part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for your wisdom in allowing these circumstances in our lives. Lord, you are good. You are so good, and we don't deserve, or we don't receive what we deserve from you. Thank you for your mercy 
that from long ages ago you planned to send your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins that we could know you that we could have a relationship with you and that we would have fellowship with the God of the universe who only wants to do good to his children we thank you for that Lord you will never disappoint us and help us to resoundingly say that and believe it that you are our joy and you are our satisfaction in the morning we pray this in Jesus Christ's name Amen.